Welcome to the Back to One podcast with Riley Aggie and CJ Arnold. In this episode, we're going to share why we started Back to One and what our mission is. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on our first episode of Back to One. We are super excited to be starting this podcast. Riley, can you just give a little bit of background as to why we started Back to One and where that came from? Yeah, Back to One started as conversations, uh, mostly in 2020, um, around race, around the state of the church, um, and a lot of the conversations were about unity and disunity. Um, I think Back to One was kind of born out of the intense year that 2020 was and 2021. And they were mostly conversations between me and you about hot topics and where the church is divided and where ten, or people tend to be inflamed, right? And so we've had a lot of hard conversations about those things, but also in those conversations, we kept being encouraged because we found that Jesus embodied the radical middle. He, he embodied the best of both sides and redeemed both sides, uh, whether it be left or right or, you know, what, whatever issue we were looking at. And so that's how Back to One was kind of born. It wasn't born out of us, you know, having an amazing idea. It was born out of us really needing Jesus to be with us and really wanting to see the church look more like Jesus. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that's super encouraging is that we realized in these conversations that we were having, we aren't the answer. And we really just started trying to see how Jesus and how God and his grace and his love are relevant to the strife and the hardship that was just abundant in 2020. And as the church, we wanted to see, we wanted to be the people who were vessels of God's grace and love and healing in that. Um, And so through those conversations, we got encouraged because we realized that God is relevant and he is present and he's so involved and his love is really the only thing that gives us hope. Yeah. He's a solution to a broken world that needs healing. And also, you know, as we look at communication styles, we look at the kind of conversations that are happening on Facebook that are sometimes so graceless, um, often between Christians too, but also just kind of the message that we're sending. We would, you know, we really have a heart to want to see God's love come into hard conversations, not avoid them, you know, not avoid the, the, the issues of racism and homelessness and some of the topics that get people really inflamed. We want to dive into those topics and, and allow the love and truth of Christ to penetrate our lives and change how we act and change how we present ourselves and how we speak to each other in the world, because it says that they will know us by our love for each other. So we need to start there, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and I remember having a conversation almost a year ago now with you about how one of the things that I 
have seen and struggled with is all these people saying, we need to have hard conversations. We need to talk about this stuff. We need to have these hard conversations, which is so true. But one of the things that I struggled with is I was seeing people respond to that and say, yeah, let's have these hard conversations, but they were doing it in really unhealthy ways and they were doing it without grace, like you said. Yeah. And so we really want to see and have those conversations but have them be filled with grace and understanding yeah. and compassion um, and truth. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be having a lot of hard conversations coming up in the future. And we're not here to convince you to believe exactly what we believe or believe um, or lean towards a specific political side on an issue. We're here to understand each other better. We're here to bring Jesus's truth into all of those all of those conversations. And so we want to appeal to wherever you lean, you know, whatever denomination of church you go to, whether you go to church or not, we want to invite you into this. Yeah. And I think that's a really important piece of what we're doing is that we want to have these conversations in a way that honors everyone. And it honors people who have been hurt. Yeah. It honors people who are unsure about why certain th- issues are even relevant to their lives. Yeah. Um, or why they should be expected to do anything about it. Um, and we we want to be engaged with compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Tuned in. Yeah. And I, I think that that really segues into our mission statement. Um which is to pursue unity in the body of Christ through engaging in conversations with a diverse group of people, continually bring the focus back to Jesus and his heart for us to be one. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that that word unity has really been a driving force behind everything that we've been working towards. And it's it's really the the central piece of what we're what our mission is and what we're doing. So I know we've had a lot of these conversations, but can you just share mm-hmm. about why unity is so important through through what we see in Scripture sure. and why it's relevant to the church now? Sure. Yeah, so I'm going to try to um, take an uh, entire Bible and try to <laughs> <laughs> bring it into a few minutes that is, uh, you know, not an hour for everyone. So, but (laughs) you kind of have to go all the way back to Genesis. And first, what you see is you see a creator God who's so good creating these beautiful things and creates this garden where he is close with humanity and humanity is man and woman and they love each other and they're in relationship with each other. They're naked, they're unashamed. And so we see this oneness with God this closeness with God and with each other that's perfect and untainted. And then, you know, through temptation and and wanting to make ourselves, rather than allowing God's word for what is good, we decide, okay, we're going to say what is good, whatever we want it to be. And so humanity decides we're going to be try to be like God. And then the fall happens and you get, the first thing that happens is you get broken marriage, you get broken family, right? They realize they're naked and they hide from each other before they even hide from God. And then they hide from God and, and God sends them out of the garden. Um, and then as the story progresses, you just hear about how, you know, then you have the first murder with Cain and Abel 
and Cain goes and builds cities, and it talks about how the evil, you know, just continues to spread. You know, the the broken oneness turns into more and more and more strife. So you get Cain and one of his descendants saying, "If you think you think Cain has wrath, you should see my wrath." Um, because he killed even more people and he was the first polygamist. So it just, the story keeps going until you get to God giving a promise to Abraham that through his family, he was going to bring basically that they were going to multiply and they were going to fulfill the original calling of the garden, which was to rule over it and to multiply and to make beautiful things and partner with God and to rule over all of his creation. So through Abraham's family, which would become Israel, that's what we're supposed to do. And so Israel keeps trying and failing and they can't do it. And God keeps loving them. God keeps continuing to try to um, make Israel the, the people that are going to fulfill this promise of being a blessing to the world and ruling over it. And they keep failing, which ultimately, ultimately all points to Jesus. And Jesus fulfills with his life and ultimately what he does on the cross, he fulfills that calling of Israel to love the world and love God in a way that is that no one else has ever done. But also he fulfilled what it means to be human. He fulfilled that original calling of of the garden, which was, you know, he said I only see what I see the I only do what I see the Father doing. And right before he died, he prayed. He prayed, God, I want them to be one just like we're one, right? Cuz he wanted us to be back in a relationship with the Father. So um you know, there's there's so much in in scripture. You, right after that, you get Pentecost, which is like the reversal of what happened in Babel, because all of humanity tried to come together and unify in a bad way, and so God had to 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 spread them out. But through Jesus, we're and the Holy Spirit, we come together and we understand each other. We understand the different languages, all the differences. We're supposed to come together through the power of Christ into one unified body, and so that kind of brings us to the present day. And, you know, present day for Paul was saying, all, because of this story, because of what Christ did on the cross, you need to be unified. You need to love one another as Christ loved you. And so that's kind of like a big overarching idea of what we see in scripture and why unity is such a big deal. It starts from the very beginning, be unified with Christ, be unified with God and be unified with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. That's such a, such a important piece. And I'm excited. We're going to dive into that even deeper in later episodes. Yeah. Um, and through some interviews that we do and, you know, unity and being one with each other and with God is like Riley just explained this theme that goes from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Um, and as the church, we are called to make that a reality here yeah. in the present. And so we really want to explore what that looks like. And we, we've we kind of come to this place where we have realized that the only way to do it is through understanding our identity in Christ yeah. and what it actually means, what that actually means. And we've kind of broken that into um, a few key pieces yeah. And that we call one hope, one love, one Lord. Yeah. And it, to to give a little preface for that, the reason identity is so crucial is because when you when you have your identity in Christ, it rewrites your priorities yep. and your expectations of your own life 
but also your expectations of other people. Yeah. And that affects how you act. Yeah. And you see that throughout the entire New Testament. Um, but we, we broke it down into one hope, one love, and one Lord, because we think those are the three real big pieces of having your identity in Christ. And one hope is the starting point, I think, because if you don't have hope, you don't move. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful things about Jesus is he gives so much hope. And one of the beautiful things is that he gives us a future hope that we can look forward to as Christians, as a church of unification with him in heaven and a new heaven and a new earth. And it's just this beautiful imagery that we get in scripture. Like death has lost its sting because our story has been, it's been written, it's been finished on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's just this, this weight that is off our shoulder. There's no, there's this no dread of the unknown. Right. And it's just this beautiful hope. But it's not just that. We also have a present hope. Yeah. We have this present hope that God is here. He's working. He is in everything that is going on. He is sovereign. He's gracious. He's loving. He's just. And that can also be a real tension point and a confusing point for a lot of people. Living in the now and the not yet kind of tension. Exactly. Um, But we also have this present hope that because he's present and because he's working here and now and because he knows what's going to happen next year, he he wasn't surprised by COVID-19. No. You know, he has a plan and he is working through his church. We have this present hope that we can put in Christ instead of putting in all of these systems that are failing, you know, whether that's Republican or Democrat agendas, yeah. um, you know, Black Lives Matter, or all lives matter, blue lives matter, What, wherever you fall politically, that isn't the church's hope. No. We aren't looking to Black Lives Matter to solve racial justice. We're looking to Jesus. Yeah, but we can, through like our relationship with Jesus and we, with each other, we can engage with those movements. We can engage with those people mm-hmm. in a way that honors Christ and brings change to the world. Exactly. Right, because I feel like, the church has, you know, we tend to move towards extremes as people and we either kind of say, well, no, that's just social political activism. We can't go there. Or we go fully under the other side and, and we give up on the power of changing hearts through Christ and and the simple gospel, which is radical and transformational. We Instead of going there, we go only over to social justice. And I think we have to find a, a place where we do both of those things, where we act and we actually give food and water. You know, Jesus said, like, if you don't give food and water to the homeless person, then you're refusing it to me. So there's a there's an action point of the gospel where we do have to be in contact with the world and the movements of the world, but we can't be controlled by them. Absolutely. And I, I love that we've we've kind of come up with this mantra or idea of being engaged but not dependent. Yeah. And by that we mean we're we can engage in politics, we can engage in social activism, we can engage in our culture yeah. that is not Christian. We can engage in society, but we aren't dependent on it for hope or worth or value or yeah. identity. Yeah. We and can't put all our hope in an election, right? We need to put exactly. our hope in Jesus coming back and the church being unified and us being able to love like he loved. Yeah. yeah. And 
that that's a beautiful way to transition into the one love aspect of identity. Yeah. Because Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor. Yeah. And that is such a hard word in a, our day and age in an American culture. Love is often viewed as either this extreme thing that you don't want to say to someone before they say it to you, yeah. or it's just, you know, overused, generic, I love pizza kind of thing. But when Jesus uses the word love, he's using this word that means to continually put the interest and the best for yeah. other people above yeah. the best for yourself. Yeah. And it's this continual sacrifice for the sake of others. Yeah. And a lot of that we see missing. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to tie that back to like the biblical theme too, like loving the Lord with all your heart and your mind, soul and your strength is, you know, he's a good God who created this good garden experience and it's saying, I trust you. I love you. This is so, the life you've given me is good. And also what you're saying about that sacrificial love is that loving your neighbor as yourself means that you're putting your neighbor's interest ahead of yourself or like yourself. You treat them as family. You know, you treat them as if they were your own body because it's one humanity, right? That's what God's after is one humanity that could live together and love each other and, and be his image. And so I think in that love, um, we've also talked about how, you know, one of the first descriptors in Corinthians is that love is patient. So in these hard conversations, we have to be patient with people as they change and, you know, leave room for mistakes, leave room for those hurts and, and make room for people who have been hurt and are angry. Um, you know, love is patient and it's kind and it doesn't keep a record of wrong. And I think we need to have that kind of love. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the passages that we have used for one love and one Lord is Matthew sixteen twenty four. Yeah. Where Jesus talks about if anyone would follow me, he must lay down his life. Yeah. And pick up his cross yeah. and follow me. Yeah. Die to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that that is such a unnatural thing for us to do. Yeah. Um but it's a beautiful thing for us to it do. It is. And it's what we're as followers of Christ is what we have to do. Yeah, we do. Um, and that's that's where the one Lord aspect really comes in is because we have to be submissive to his lordship, to Christ's sovereignty and lordship. And he's not this, you know, distant, uninvolved ruler you know, who created this beautiful earth and then left. No. He's so involved and he has work for us to do. Yeah. And he's been continually trying to get us to, to go back and to get us back into relationship with him. That was what Jesus wanted to do. That's what the whole thing with Israel was, is God's attempt to get us back into his family, back into relationship with him. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just this beautiful picture of a king mm. wanting what is best for his people yeah, and for, and a father wanting what's best for his children. And, you know, I have nine nieces and nephews, you know, so I've been around kids quite a bit. And one of the wonderful things about children is their complete 
certainty that they know what's best and their absolute wrongness mm-hmm. in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why, that's why I love the picture of us being God's children is because, you know, even though, you know, we're, you might be 50, 35, 23, or 14, you don't know what's best for you and God does. Yeah. And he has so much love and so much grace in that. And he's continually working in us and yeah. through us um, to get us to reflect his kingdom here on earth because that is what's best. And, yeah. you know, submitting to him in humility and saying, okay, God, you know what's best. Your will be done for your glory. Yeah. Not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. yeah. The Lord's prayer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And following that and learning how to grow in mm. doing that is one of the things we're all about because yeah. like we said earlier, that's the only answer. Right. You know, that's the only way to real healing and the only way to have racial reconciliation yeah. or um, unity within a politically divided church. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's so important. Like the, the part, this all ties with identity, right? I, I, just to connect back to that, we kind of said that all of these tied to, tie, tie to identity, but where we find our identity kind of help helps us to know what we need to do, right? So if our identity is that, you know, we're right wing politically, that sort of thing, but we go to church, then we're going to act accordingly. But if our entire life purpose is to honor God and put his agenda first, then it really is not my will, not my idea, not my agenda. Let your agenda, let your kingdom be the thing that I spend my life doing. And when I do that, if I'm doing that for my neighbor, God, what do you want for them? Right. And what do you see in other people? I think about in two Corinthians, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation and how Jesus gave it to us after, you know, he handed the reins over to us. And I, what I love about it is that it says, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh, right? Through what Jesus did, we see the best in people. And it says that we are ambassadors of Christ and God, his, God is making his appeal through us. And I think what that means is that through our love, we are making an appeal to be reconciled back to this God who loves you so much, right? And so if if we're going to do that, we need to put God's agenda first and not our own first. That's the only way. We have to unify around one Lord, and that Lord is Jesus, right? And we see that even him, he didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped. It said he made himself like nothing and humbled himself even to the point of death. And therefore God has, a, has highly exalted him above any other name in the heavens and on earth. And God wants us to bring us into his story just like in Genesis when he wanted us to rule and make a beautiful world with him. He wants to do that. And through Jesus, he was, like I said earlier, he was, he fulfilled what it means to be human, to be one with the father and only do what he saw the father doing. So we have the same calling. We're supposed to do what we see the father doing, which is trying to unify the world and love the world and bring them back into God's family, just as we've been given that love. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, Honestly, just hearing you say that, like, I don't even know what to say because just it's such a beautiful picture. And yeah, it is. it's just a little bit overwhelming, like how much God loves us and how much he is involved and has stayed involved despite 
TikTok and Twitter and so and many Facebook mistakes. Yeah. And, and all of the comments. <laughs> like mm. it's like it is so easy to lose faith in humanity sometimes. Yeah. And the fact that God in his perfection and his glory and his love and his grace, his compassion and patience and patience <laughs> is just like you guys have messed up so much. Mm. But I am going to keep fighting for you. Yeah. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that as his church. We get to engage in that work of love to bring healing and restoration and reconciliation. Yeah. Um, and we're super, super excited. Yeah. To do that. It's yeah. it's not always gonna be easy or no. fun. It's gonna be hard sometimes. Yeah. Um and I'm pretty sure we're gonna cry a lot. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Redeeming hard things, redeeming hard conversations. Um we're really gonna have to jump into it, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. But we are excited to do it. We're excited for the work that God is doing in us and through us and in Tacoma and we're excited to engage with some of the people who are also working in Tacoma for God's kingdom. Yeah. Um, we're going to be interviewing people. We're going to be going out and working with different churches to feed and engage with the homeless. Yeah. We're going to be, we, we have so many things cooked up and we're so excited to be sharing it. And sharing you. our journey too. Yeah. Yeah. As absolutely. we learn and as we learn from the people we interview, mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be really, really great. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we are going to be doing in this podcast is whenever we close a podcast, we're either going to close with prayer or through reading scripture. And today we wanted to share a scripture that has really impacted us and fueled our mission and our purpose in pursuing unity. And it's Ephesians 4, 1 through 10. And it's 1 through 10, right? Um, Let's start at verse 4. Verse 4? Okay, Okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, But just as a tiny bit of context, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he spends the first three chapters of Ephesians talking about God's grace and the, the work that God did to change our hearts and for our redemption and for our salvation so that we could have oneness and relationship with each other and with him. And so Paul takes all that theology and then says, because of that, I want you guys to be one. And so Riley's going to just share how he says that. Sorry, I miscorrected you. It does start from verse one. Sorry oh, okay. Yeah. So Ephesians 4 verse one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to you all, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Back to One podcast. In our next episode, we interview Pastor Lonnie Arnold about racial reconciliation. So remember to subscribe wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode.